0: Love
1: Talk Radio.
2: Good morning, animal people, and welcome to the Pet Place Radio Show. I'm so glad you've tuned in this morning. I've got some great guests lined up today. First up, To address questions for folks who adopted Bennies for Easter, Carolyn Charland from the Benny Bench will be in to give some great advice on making happy, healthy forever homes for your new furry family members. Then, after our halftime break, Joe Dwyer has a heartbreaking but inspirational story about a beagle named Daniel who survived a cruel attempt at euthanasia in a carbon dioxide chamber and now has a new life in a forever home home. Daniel is a nominee for the 2012 Hero Dog Award and is on a campaign with Joe to end the use of carbon dioxide chambers, which, believe it or not, are still legal and in use in 31 states. So stay right where you are, and we'll be back in just a moment with a brand new edition of the Pet Place Radio Show here on K-Mozart. K-Mozart. <laughs> Welcome back. You're listening to the Pet Place Radio Show on K-Mozart. I'm Marie Hewlett, and joining me now from the Bunny Bunch is Carolyn Charlin. Hi, Carolyn. I'm so happy you could come back to the pet place today because I have so many questions for you.
0: Well, thank you for having me. Hey, you know, we
2: always try and discourage folks from adopting rabbits and giving them as gifts at Easter time because so many of these guys end up in shelters or rescues just days or weeks after the holiday. And worse yet, many just get dumped in parks. So I'm hoping you can give listeners who have adopted bunnies in the recent days some good advice that will help them keep their bunnies happy, healthy, and safe, and also not feel overwhelmed by their new responsibilities.
0: Yes, you're definitely right. There's just too many places selling rabbits for Easter, and unfortunately what happens is a lot of these rabbits are babies and the people are being told they're older than they are. So if you did buy a rabbit for Easter and it's a baby bunny, it's a really good idea to find a rabbit-knowledgeable vet and take your rabbit in to have the rabbit checked to check the age. Um, Unfortunately, they sell underage babies, and these babies can't survive without the mother. Oh, no. Yeah, it's really terrible. A lot of people are looking for a small rabbit because they think the rabbit can live in a small cage, which is not true at all. Um, One of the big mistakes is people get the small cage, and rabbits can't live like that. So it's very important to have an exercise pen, much like a puppy pen, Mm -hmm. in the house, which gives the rabbit enough room to run around um, during the daytime while people are at work and need to have a nice big litter box in there. And it's very important to have a rabbit-safe litter on the bottom of the litter box and then hay piled up on top. Uh, Rabbits need um, to have hay... 24 hours a day, accessible to them.
2: Okay, so they do actually use the litter box. Do you have to teach them how to do that, or is this something they naturally do?
0: Um, Actually, they naturally do it. Rabbits are very clean animals, and they like to go to the bathroom in the same space. They don't like to go to the bathroom where they're going to be running around and playing. Um, However, it's very important to have your rabbit spayed or neutered. And when your rabbit's spayed or neutered is when they generally will use the litter box 100% or maybe 99% <laughs>
2: okay. in
0: some cases. But mm-hmm. um, when they're not spayed or neutered, they often will want to mark their territory, and they can do this by spraying urine or leaving their poops around. Uh,
2: okay. I wanted to get back to something you mentioned just a bit ago about underaged animals not yeah. being able to survive without their moms. If you did end up adopting one of these little guys and it's not doing well, is there a way you can bottle feed them? What can you do to make sure generally they
0: Generally, these people aren't adopting them. They're buying them because it's mm-hmm. the swap meets and, you know, some of the pet shops that are selling downtown LA that are selling the underage babies. So okay. what's important is they do need to be kept warm, not too hot, of course, but, you know, they can't be put outside because some people, you know, put the bunnies outside, which is they can't survive like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but they do need to be fed depending on the age. Um, they can Sometimes they need to be fed uh, a formula, um, but sometimes we'll, we'll feed them something. It's a mixture of ground-up pellets uh, with other things in there, and it's mixed with water, and they're syringe-fed. However, they do need to be shown how to do this. It's not something you can just start doing because it's very dangerous. If the rabbit aspirates, meaning you know this goes into the lung.
2: Right. Do you have a website that possibly shows how to take care of infant bunnies?
0: You know, we do have some information on our website. People are uh, welcome to go to our site, and our email is on there. So, and it's a good idea for people to either email or call us for help because each it depends on the age of each bunny, and each case can be individual. So, we're happy to help. You know, with anything like that at all.
2: What is your website?
0: Our website's bunnybunch.org. Oh, that's very
2: easy. (laughs) (laughs) And I know that you have a lovely shelter called The Burrow, and you always have so many fun activities there. Can you tell me what's going on at The
0: Burrow these days? Yes, actually. Well, we do have a, a bunny baby shower coming up. And uh, we don't have a date set yet, but that will be coming up in May. Unfortunately, what happens is when these rabbits do get turned into the shelters, often they're pregnant, and we go to the shelters to rescue the rabbits, and we did rescue a mum with babies actually that, that were actually born in the shelter. Hmm. Unfortunately, what happens if these rabbits aren't rescued, they are euthanized, even the babies too, because there's just so many getting turned in. Mm-hmm. So we took them in, and we're going to be having a baby shower. So it's a fundraiser, and it'll be a lot of fun for people to come to. And then we actually also have a a picnic coming up in Irvine um, in May, too, and all that information is on our website, and people can bring their bunnies to that, and we do education and have a vet talk, and we have our store there and all kinds of fun things and education at the same time. Wow,
2: that's wonderful. And I understand that you're thinking about making a brand new shelter in Orange County.
0: Yes, in fact, we're ready to do it. We've been doing fundraising, and we're ready to do it. So we're just currently looking for a building. So if anybody out there knows of a building or would like to donate a building, we're ready to move in.
2: (laughs) Okay, listeners, did you hear that? They need a building.
0: Yes, we do. <laughs> we'll be, the fortunate thing is we'll be then rescuing more rabbits out of the Orange County shelters. Oh,
2: that would be great. Yeah. Hey, I know that a lot of people always associate uh, bennies with children, but yeah. that's not necessarily the best fit, is it?
0: No, <laughs> not at all. We really don't suggest getting rabbits for children. A rabbit is a very delicate animal. And they can't be cared for by children. So it's wonderful if you have a family and the parents or the adults are the people that want to have the rabbit. Then that case, it's different. Mm-hmm. Um, children can't pick up a rabbit. If they do, the rabbit often doesn't feel safe. It'll scramble to get down. And unfortunately, we get many calls of that when that's happened, the rabbit has broken its back. And and
2: children can get cut up too. Yeah, the rabbit's nails
0: are out, and they don't scratch to be mean, Mm -hmm. but they're scrambling to get down, and you know the child could get scratched. And so, you know, we suggest uh, rabbits are wonderful, but they're not right for every home
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, so you know we suggest do some education come and visit us at the borough, or go to another rescue and you know learn everything before you even think about um, adopting a rabbit and you always want to adopt a rabbit instead of buying a rabbit because there are so many homeless rabbits and rabbits being euthanized in the shelters. that is so true can somebody adopt
2: a rabbit if they already have other animals at home dogs cats
0: Yeah, it just depends. Um, Cats generally get along fine with rabbits, and we do show people how to introduce them. I have six cats living with my rabbits, and the rabbits are the boss. Um, They're the ones in charge. If the cat's laying in the bed and the rabbit wants to lay there, the rabbit comes over and nudges the cat out the way, and the rabbit sleeps in the bed. Um, Dogs, however, it's all different. And so, you know, some dogs have a hunting drive, which Mm -hmm. is not safe.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Some
0: dogs will want to play with a rabbit, which also isn't safe. So with dogs, it's very individual.
2: Okay, so you have to see what the home is like, what the dog is like, maybe test things in some way. How do you check a dog to see if it's going to respond well to a Um, rabbit? Generally
0: what we'll do is we don't allow dogs into the burrow, our uh, adoption center, but what we can do is we set up an X-pen outside with a rabbit that is already used to dogs. I have a little dog um, who, you know, he is actually a little bit afraid of the rabbits. but you know, so the rabbit has already had some exposure. And then what we'll do is we'll have the person bring their dog on a leash and we'll have them stand Or eight to ten feet away from the pen just to see the dog's reaction. The dog obviously can smell the rabbit.
1: Mm -hmm. Um,
0: Some dogs will, you know, be very interested and want to get to the rabbit. Some will kind of ignore it and they can get a little closer. So it's not, you know, you can't just test it to see if it works, because if it doesn't work, you're going to be in trouble. So right. it's more a slow process of seeing how the dog's reaction around a rabbit, and we do that. And then we'll actually go to the home and do the same thing. And we always suggest the rabbit should never be in an area where the dog can, you know, get to the rabbit, even if the rabbit's in the pen. So if there's a dog in the house, we suggest the rabbit should be in a closed room, Um Okay. You know, for quite a while until, you know, um, the dog and the rabbit get used to each other. And then there always needs to be supervision, definitely.
2: Absolutely. But I have seen some great photos and heard some great stories of rabbit and dog friendships. Yes, and, yes and
0: it's it definitely. And it is quite yeah,
2: remarkable. Yeah. Very yes, cute yes. pictures.
0: <laughs> yeah, it happens. and But we always warn people, you know, it's not always the case. <laughs>
2: Absolutely. So you should always be careful. Yes. Always use good judgment. Hey, one of the things that has always bugged me is, As my kids were going through school, teachers would always have rabbits in little cages in the classroom for the entire year, and that was the life of the rabbit. What do you think about that? It's
0: absolutely horrible. Um, We really, really want to stop that from happening. Unfortunately... Um, first of all it's a horrible life for the rabbit living in a tiny cage Um, you know often there's no one at the school at the weekend and the rabbit's there for the weekend in the summertime rabbits can't take the heat and if there's no one there there's no air conditioning on Um, and generally you know they don't have the knowledge to show how to care for a rabbit so something that's really terrible is that that school or that teacher is teaching children that this is how a rabbit should live which is incorrect
2: absolutely what a terrible example and and I know that when I've brought up in the past that it's not a good idea to have rabbits in the classroom, all the other parents would say, oh, but the
0: kids love it, and, right, and
2: exactly. I'm the bad guy. But yeah. I, I couldn't agree more that it's just a horrible example to give it to is, children. It is.
0: And there are some teachers out there who do love rabbits and have the proper knowledge of rabbit care. Mm-hmm. And what they will do is they, if they have their own rabbit living at home, and the rabbit is a rabbit that is fine to travel, they will sometimes take the rabbit to the classroom set the rabbit up in an exercise pen with the litter box, a hidey house, Mm -hmm. and show the children, you know, this is how a rabbit should live. So that's a great thing then, because you are teaching them the correct you know, way for a rabbit to live.
2: Absolutely. Carolyn, you always have such wonderful information, and I want to thank you for sharing it today. And we need to take a very quick Pet Place break now, but don't go away. Joe Dwyer is standing by to tell the horrific tale that fortunately has a happy ending about a dog who survived euthanasia in a carbon dioxide chamber. Stay tuned for this and more here on the Pet Place Radio Show on K-Mozart. Welcome back. You're listening to the Pet Place Radio Show on K-Mozart. I'm Marie Hewlett, and I'd like to welcome back to the Pet Place for a second appearance, Joe Dwyer. Hi, Joe. How have you been?
3: I'm doing very well, Marie. Thank you for having me on again.
2: Well, I'm so glad that you were able to come back because I know that you're on a brand-new adventure, and it has to do with a little dog named Daniel. Can you tell me Daniel's story?
3: Daniel's story is nothing short of a miracle. He was placed into a gas chamber in October of 2011 with multiple other dogs, and when the door was open, Daniel was standing there wagging his tail. They thought that maybe he would die during the night, but in fact he did not. In the morning, he was still wagging his tail. Wow. And he was given a second chance at life. He was transported for veterinary care and made his way to New Jersey where he ended up and part of our family.
2: Wow! I'm so surprised that the uh, the facility where he was being euthanized didn't just try to euthanize him again. What changed their mind?
3: Well, I'm really not sure. I actually spoke to a reporter about that yesterday, and all I could say is I give them uh, immense credit for making the decision that they did. They decided that maybe he had a special calling. I believe that he does, and they kept him alive for a good reason.
2: Well, you know, when you told me that they were euthanizing the animals uh, via a gas chamber, I was really surprised because here in California, um, we don't do that. And from what I've heard from you, this is still legal in 31 states?
3: It is. I was incredibly shocked when I heard about Daniel's story. At first, when I first heard it here in New Jersey, I thought that there was probably about five states in our country that used the gas chamber. I was shocked to find out that it was 31 states. And as I've now gone forward and done many presentations and spread Daniel's story, I find out that I wasn't alone. There's a lot of people out there who really need to be educated as to how incredibly vast the usage of the gas chamber still is in our country.
2: And and it's pretty inhumane. Can you talk a little bit about why you're on a mission to end the use of this practice?
3: Daniel stands on many stages as I say, and stage number one we hope is to exactly as you say, if it is to be and has to be that there's a more humane way of ending the life of a companion animal, a very you know lovable companion animal in in almost every case
1: Mm -hmm. and Daniel
3: certainly is not alone when it comes to that so yes we are certainly looking to do that but we are also at the same time making a pitch that they need to be kept alive and be made as valued family members and that's what Daniel first and foremost is in this house he's a valued family member Mm
1: -hmm. we do have significant
3: progress in the state of Pennsylvania where Daniel's law has made its way through the Senate. There's another step or two to go, which includes the House and then the governor's signature. There has been no opposition yet in the way it's made its way through the progress it's made so far. So we're very optimistic that we're going to have a law passed in Pennsylvania, and it's going to be named after Daniel.
2: Wow, that is remarkable. I can't understand why any state would continue to use the gas chamber to put animals to death. So many people recognize that it's such a cruel and inhumane method, and it just doesn't seem... What's the reason? Why are they hanging on to this?
3: Well, I think there's probably a few reasons. Probably it's just one of those old habits you know, die hard, you know, kind of thing. I also think that there is a cost issue probably. Unfortunately, uh, to give you a little bit more insight into the situation, you know, if you were to put one animal into the gas chamber and regulate the gas properly, it would be much more humane than if you put multiple animals in and it's not regulated the way it should be. That's what causes it to be a very inhumane ending to their life but also it also obviously adds a cost element to the facility Mm -hmm. because they're you know ending the lives of multiple animals at one time
2: i see that must have been horribly stressful for daniel did you notice any ill effects lasting effects on him
3: you know it's amazing I used to answer that question with no but now with a little bit of tongue-in-cheek I answer that question with possibly and I say that only because Daniel has a personality like I've never seen before he loves life he loves people he loves other animals and he just is one of the most incredible personalities I have come across in my entire life Mm. so maybe you know he was meant to live for that purpose And that's why he walked out of the chamber that day.
2: Amazing. Hey, I understand Daniel has his own video, a conversation with Daniel. Can you tell me a little bit about that?
3: Certainly. I'd ask people to visit it on YouTube, a conversation with Daniel the Beagle. What we intended to do was to educate people on Daniel's story. Not only is it important to know in the beginning of that video that he lives as a family member here with us and our other four dogs, but the middle section does give the viewers an education on the extent of the use of the gas chamber, and then, not to give the whole thing away, but the ending is his now hero status that we say he's on a mission to make these animals have the homes they deserve to have. Wow. that's, uh, That's what we're looking to do.
2: That's wonderful. And I understand that Daniel is a nominee for the 2012 Hero Dog Award. Can you tell us about that?
3: Certainly. I was flattered to understand that he should be nominated. I realized that, at first, I realized, well, you know, what is this all about? But then I said, you know, This will continue to call positive attention to his life and his mission. Mm
1: -hmm. So he is
3: in the emerging hero category. There are eight categories for hero dog, and he is in the emerging hero category. So we hope that he has a good chance to possibly win his category and help to propel his mission, which uh, we continue to say has immense value not only for the companion animals but also for the people that are affected by him. I've seen people drop to their knees and cry in tears uh, when they meet him. He is uh, just somebody that spreads incredible joy.
2: Wow, he sounds just tremendous. I know that you'd really like for him to win, but he needs votes. How can people vote for him?
3: Well, we have a website for Daniel. It's all one word, danielthebeagle.com. There's a link directly to the website, which will give you his voting capability. Also, he has a Facebook page, Daniel <laughs> the Beagle Dwyer, where you could also find multiple places for the link. And the actual award is hero dog org, And then you'd have to find him under the hero dog category. But he's uh, very distinguishable with those uh, puppy dog eyes of his. Aww.
2: Who's sponsoring the Hero Dog Awards?
3: It's sponsored by the Humane Society.
2: Oh, okay. Very good. Has other media covered Daniel's story?
3: Oh, we've had multiple media coverage, and we appreciate every opportunity as we appreciate this one today with you, Marie. We had a very nice appearance on the Anderson Cooper Show, and then uh, we had multiple stations and radio stations here in the Northeast and other areas of the country contact us for interviews, But the one I think was most uh, incredible to me, I still can't believe it, but I answered the phone and I received a call from Ashai TV, which is the Japanese television network uh, located here. Uh They intended to run a 30-second spot in Japan to help the compassion level for especially the dogs in the Quake region.
1: Mm -hmm. They ended
3: up running a multi-day and three-minute spot on Daniel's story because of the popularity that it reached out in Japan. That's
2: incredible and wonderful.
1: (laughs) I
3: said to people, you know, at first I thought it was incredible that he had reached across the country, but then he literally reached across the
2: world. Amazing. Hey, I know you have other dogs, including Shelby, which uh, we talked about last time you were here on the show. How does uh, Daniel get along with all the other little furry family members?
3: You know, he gets in along incredibly well. I mean, this is a dog that was astray, and as I said before, an incredible temperament. We were very um, selective in, in our thought process, as well as his foster mom from 11th Hour Rescue, who I want to give a shout-out to for all the great work they do in placing uh, dogs into loving homes. But we decided that, you know, only if it was going to be good for Daniel and good for our four other dogs, were we to make this adoption work because first and foremost he's a family member Mm -hmm. i mean everything else that he does is secondary to his status as being a family member here in our home and if it took a toll on him to go out and meet and greet people the way he does i really would cease it immediately uh, unfortunately, or fortunately, I should say, it takes nothing out of him. He loves every second of it. but he and Shelby bonded immediately. It was really something to see, as well as our other dogs, but they are now inseparable. They are uh, actually as close as any two individuals can be. Wow. So it's wonderful to watch.
2: That's really good to hear, too. Before I let you go, what kind of lessons do you think Daniel would teach humanity if he had the opportunity?
3: Well he's getting that opportunity, and I think the more we can spread his story, the more he will. I think he brings a certain level of understanding that as dark as a situation could be, and certainly in his case it was as dark as it could be. you really need to have uh, and reach for the light, and hopefully uh, you know there's light at the end of the tunnel for people's dark times. It's well documented that people who are stricken with either a difficult situation or a disease in their life, if they're able to garnish a real positive attitude, they have a better chance to survive. Mm -hmm. Of all the theories that have been put forward about Daniel's survival, I think that's how he survived. He has that good of an attitude. In addition, the way he lives his life with such a level of joy, I think that's also something for our human counterparts to really latch onto because he wakes up that way every day He wags his tail all day, and he just loves life, loves others, and loves his triumph.
2: Joe, these are great lessons indeed, and thank you so much for helping to spread the word about Daniel, and I wish him luck in the upcoming 2012 Hero Dog Awards, because he certainly deserves it. Again, thanks so much for being with us today.
3: And thank you. It was a pleasure being on.
2: It is time to take our last break of the morning, but when we return, be ready for Pet Place news and events here on K-Mozart. We're back on the Pet Place Radio Show. I'm Marie Hewlett, and it's time for Pet Place News and Events. It's just about time for Pet Expo. Mark your calendars for three days of pet-abulous fun at the Orange County Fairgrounds. The big event will be held on April 20th through the 22nd and is the world's largest pet and pet product expo. Gates open each day at 10 a.m. and close at 6 p.m. on Friday and Sunday and 7 p.m. on Saturday. This year, the theme is a salute to Hollywood pets. And some of your favorite animal actors will be on hand to give potographs. Of course, there are so many shows, demonstrations, contests, and, of course, adoptions of homeless pets from shelters and rescues so you may end up taking a new family member home. And I love all the pet products that are for sale, including toys, clothes, pet beds, and so much more. You'll also want to swing by our Pet Place booth and say hi. I'll be in the booth on Saturday and Sunday, along with Petey the Parrot, who is always happy to meet new friends. We're all really looking forward to this, so I hope to see you there. And don't forget to check out our website at www.petplace.org and send us your comments or suggestions for the show. That's all for me today. Remember, pets need love and a home, too. We'll be back next weekend here on K-Mozart. I'm Marie Hewlett. Please spay or neuter your pets, and have a wonderful day.
1: (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.